The Eufy Video Lock takes the place of separate smart locks, security cameras, and doorbells all in one simple to install unit. A Phillips screwdriver was all I needed. The Eufy 330 Video Lock took me 20 minutes to install and there is no hard wiring necessary as it's powered by a 4 month rechargeable 10,000 mAh battery. The Eufy Video Locks are complete with fingerprint technology, passcode entry, physical keys, and free local storage for crystal clear 2K video. There is absolutely no contract nor the need for costly monthly monitoring subscriptions. The free Wi-Fi driven iOS and Android compatible apps let you have full control over your new Eufy video lock system in just a few clicks. Convenience and security are extremely important and the Eufy video lock delivers on both. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y, video lock. Because as the host of Uncomfortable Podcast, you just never know who or what will wind up at your front door. Visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock and get yours now. That's eufy, E-U-F-Y. Doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. If they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. I witnessed 
eyewitness accounts of the infamous cryptid. He's traveled deep into the Canadian and American wilderness in search of evidence and has produced three chapters in his latest series entitled Searching for Sasquatch that can be viewed on any number of streaming platforms. Our guest is currently working on his fourth installment, set for release early in 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, filmmaker and author, Mr. Jason Kenzie. Jason, welcome to Uncomfortable. Well, hey, it's very nice to meet you, and thank you for having me here. Well, thanks for being with us. Uh, Jason, we, uh, we, we first met uh, back in, what was it, July of this uh, 2021 in Ann Arbor, Michigan, of all places. Uh, we were both there in support of, of, of our endeavors, uh, me with a uh, vendor's booth for, for the Uncomfortable Podcast, and you as a speaker at the Michigan Bigfoot Conference. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, they flew me out there, and they had me speak about uh, my Sasquatch uh, encounters, which is interesting because I'm kind of a skeptic when it comes to uh, Sasquatch. But I'm open-minded. And, uh, yeah, it was so much fun, you know, meeting new friends and getting up and seeing all the the people watching me talk. It was one of my first times I was able to get up and talk to people. And uh, yeah, it was a good, it was a good conference. It's funny because um, just last night I received a, uh, a message from uh, another person who was actually at that event participating. Um, lovely lady, lady by the name of Jen Cruz one of the uh, she-squatchers. And uh, she messaged me and said, oh my God, you're in Jason's new documentary. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and she said, she sent me a link to it. And she said, there's a couple of shots of you in here and it, it's great. And I was like, Oh my God. I rem- I mean, I remember you walking up to the table and I remember, uh, you and I, uh, and my son having a conversation. Um, I did not recall that you were filming at any point. Um, and I, <laughs> so I immediately, uh, downloaded the app for Vimeo and, uh, purchased the, purchased the documentary and lo and behold, there I am in my three and a half seconds of, uh, video fame uh as as you're walking through the the conference there and it was, it was Look a at very, you. very, <laughs> very nice surprise <laughs> you're a superstar yeah i i literally uh i i filmed the that portion uh on my phone and i sent it to my son and he, my son was like holy shit we're famous <laughs> so um, yeah it was great i should have put more of you in there uh, but i was just walking around trying to get filler shots uh, to put in the documentary, you know, uh-huh. like cutaways, you know, keep the, the film moving. Right. And no, yeah, was, I should have. It, it was a great, great little surprise. I, I had no idea. And, uh, you know, just from going and sitting around on a, on a Saturday afternoon, being uh, 
a guy with a, a small podcast and a, and a nice little following to, uh, holy shit, I'm in a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you happen to interview a lot of people at um, the conference? Um, like, normal, like normal people, like people, just customers? You know, we had several people come by the table. It, it was a very busy day, uh, I have to say. I had a lot of traffic at my table, and that was that was a wonderful, uh, a wonderful first dip into that environment because um, my podcast uh, only started last February, and uh, this has been an interest of mine for my entire life, but it, it hasn't been until this past February, and we're coming up on a year here next month, um, that I actually got into the podcast uh, realm of things. And, uh, so I was really, I was floored because the, there were, there were a couple of, uh, a couple of couples that, that came to the table and had basically indicated to me that they, they were there, um, because they knew that I was going to be there in support of the show. And they, they came to talk to me, obviously they were probably just being nice because I'm sure they came to talk and see the speakers as well. But, um, it was a very humbling experience. And, yeah, throughout the day, I got to talk to a lot of people, and um, the the unfortunate aspect of of this phenomenon is, and and you run into this the more the more and more that you're into it, is you know people will have stories and they'll have uh, you know accounts that that they want to get off their chest, but when you talk about putting it in in terms of something as permanent as as recording. Um, a lot of times that's a, that's a kind of a push away for them. Um, you know, I can, I can tell them that I can alter their voice and I can tell them that, you know, I, I can guarantee you that I'm not going to use your name or where you're from. And, and sometimes that's, that's enough, but many times, um, that that's a pretty big hump to get over. And, uh, so I ran into that quite a bit at the, at the, uh, at the conference. I did well, have, since, I did, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, it was since filming my documentaries, uh, you would be amazed how many uh, eyewitnesses uh, don't want to be on film. You know, in, in uh, chapter two, mm-hmm. um, they had a police officer, an, an ex-law enforcement officer, and uh, she did not want to go on film. Like, yeah. she did not want to be seen, and I had begged her and begged her i said look i can black you out i can change your voice and she still didn't want to do it so then i said well how about if i just show you what i can do and i did a little bit of i filmed her a little bit and i uh blacked it out and um changed her voice and when she saw what i had done with the small bit she's like okay i will trust you and i went as far as basically not just blacking her out i literally like black circles and went and put them over top of her face because she was afraid that people would lighten the video. Oh yeah. And be able to still see her. Cause just cause you have a light behind them and you have them blacked out. Sure. You can mess with the exposure. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> exactly. And even though I got her to wear a mask and, and everything, she just, she was so paranoid cause she was afraid that, she she would get ridiculed and made fun of and you know so yeah and still to this day there's people that will come to me and tell me their story and as soon as they say well how, can I 
interview you on film. They're going, no, nope, don't want that. And I'll, I'll try and say, please, I, I, I'll, I mean, I, I could do a whole chapter, like a, like a whole, like I could do like chapter five and everybody would be blacked out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And it would just look funny. Right. But, you know, it just, it, that's, that's just what happens in, in the Sasquatch world. That's what I'm finding. You know, the thing in I fact, found, I, oh, I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead. The thing I found that was, uh, was interesting and i guess what what really brought it to light to me was um my son who was there helping me uh, for the day he he is not uh um, he's not part of the actual podcast he, he doesn't do the producing or anything for me he was just there in support of you know in case i had to leave the table there would be somebody else there to talk to to people or or sell the shirts or whatever and uh you know uh, <laughs> good bad or otherwise you know that that boy had uh, grown up with me all of his life and and as i indicated before this has been a subject that i've been um deeply immersed in for you know probably since i was seven or eight years old um that among other things ufos and hauntings and all all the weird stuff um but the thing i noticed was that after about midday my son had kind of had a smile on his face which is not an unusual i mean he's a happy kid but you know as a as a 24 year old 23 year old i think at the time um sitting there and he just kind of had a smile on his face and we ended up talking about it later and he's like you were in a position you were in, in a group of people who were all there for the same reason. You know, I don't think somebody who is, has got an ulterior motive as far as trying to disprove these things or, you know, make fun of people is going to spend, you know, X number of dollars to go to a conference and just walk around to troll people. So the majority of the people that we had contact with, everybody was there for the same reason. That was you know, a, a love or a joy for this, this topic and, a, and an interest in learning more and hearing, uh, you know, good speakers talk about the different aspects of, of these beings and, and what evidence is available. And he, he just kind of had a smile on his face because he was like in a, in a room full of a lot of people who nobody was judging your interest in this topic. And, and that I think was, you know, the big takeaway for that day was it was really enjoyable to be around a, a group of people who had varying degrees of belief in this subject. And we we're all there for the same reason. It was to rub elbows and talk and, and exchange stories and, and see, uh, you know, intelligent presentations uh, on the topic. And it, it was just, a. Uh, it was a wonderful afternoon. I can't say that yeah, I've, I've had that much fun I, I, in, in a long time. Yeah, I find a lot of people are fairly nice when it comes to um, uh, Sasquatch. You know, everyone's searching for evidence. Everybody has their own beliefs. Which is very contradictory and, of, of the Bigfoot community in, in large because there there's so much divisiveness between the the apers and the, and the, and the ones that feel that they're uh, more of a people and, you know, the, the woo crowd versus the non woo crowd. And, 
um, you know, when you, when you really start getting into all these different, um, factions of who believes what it can be very divisive. Um, but at this conference that didn't really show itself at all. It was, it was, like I said, just a bunch of people there enjoying the time and, and talking about a subject that, uh, was obviously near and dear to a good number of people. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, uh, I think next time I go to a conference, I'll set up a table and I'll have my video camera and I'll just ask people if they had an experience, if they want to go on camera and talk about it. And that's a way for me to be able to put them into the documentaries. Yeah, that'd be a great idea. And that was, and that was honestly, that was the hope that I was going to walk out with, you know, uh, uh, more than a handful of, you know, 25, 30 minute long interviews. Um, I think, I think part of that falls on me. I think I got caught up in the, the whole just discussion. I mean, we had probably a 40 minute discussion before we even started recording. So obviously I, I love to talk and, and I like to, um, find out about other people's experiences and, and, you know, what, what got them to the point where they were interested. And, you know, I think, uh, sometimes I have a tendency to, uh, um, over talk <laughs> some people and, uh, uh, but, you know, I have, uh, I have a table coming up for the end of April, 1st of May in Ohio at the Ohio Bigfoot conference, which is, I believe the largest conference, uh, on the east side of the Mississippi. And, uh, this is, you know, it's a, a renowned conference and, uh, is, is huge every year. So my hopes are that, uh, I'll be able to maybe control myself a little bit and, and focus more on, uh, getting, uh, getting people's stories and, and, you know, hopefully walk out of there with a, um, a combination of, uh, multiple stories there across, uh, numerous episodes. Yeah. It, you know, that, uh, Bigfoot conference would be fun to speak at. Yeah, definitely. They're, they've got, they've got a number of very big speakers. I know Dr. Meldrum's going to be there. Cliff Berrickman from, Finding Bigfoot, he's going to be there. I believe one of the other, um, one of the other cast members, Renee. I think she's going to be there. Um, it seems like every couple of weeks they're they're announcing another uh, speaker on top of it. So, um, highly encourage anybody listening to uh, look into it. Tickets are available, and uh, that that's definitely going to be a a, a good time. So, Jason, uh, let's let's focus on one right off the bat. Let's, let's let everybody know where they can find anything that you've produced, um, as far as this topic goes. Um, so they can, they can easily find you on YouTube or Facebook or wherever it is you want. Oh yeah. So if they Google Jason Kenzie, K E N Z I E, uh, animal adventures, or searching for Sasquatch, they will be able to find all my work. Uh, they'll be able to find my my children's books. Um, they can they can also uh, go on YouTube, and they can also search out Jason Kenzie's um, Animal Adventures or Searching for Sasquatch. Uh, there's a few st- streaming platforms that that play it, like Plex and Tubi TV. That's a big one. Um, and then, and then yeah, your, they can, and, and your latest one is on Vimeo right now. Yeah, it's on Vimeo right now, so people can either purchase it 
uh, or they can just rent it. And I made the price very cheap and expensive. You know, I think it's under under three dollars yep, either I, buy I, or I to rent. I purchased it yesterday. Uh, the the rent the rental option was one ninety nine, and the purchase option was two ninety nine. Yeah, so I made it under three dollars because you know everyone who doesn't have three dollars, and you know the film is called Searching. So you come along for the adventure and going into the forest, and you meet some interesting characters, and it's it's part one that's on right now, and part two comes out next weekend, and that one has a lot of crazy stuff that happened. Uh, I decided to do, I, I interviewed a lady who grew up uh, by in the back areas of uh, Harrison 50 years ago. And she lived in a little cabin. There was no one else around. She, there was a road that she used to drive to get home and it was a dirt road and there was no other houses within miles from where she lived. And every night, Almost around midnight, she would hear what sounds like crying baby in the forest. Yeah. And I went and interviewed her, and then she took me to the area where she saw she was coming home from work. She had her kids with her. She had like three or four kids. And this big, hairy creature came running across the road. It actually walked. It walked across the road and into the forest, and it looked right at her. And her son yelled, oh, I think that's Bigfoot. And it was like, I think it was like 11 o'clock at night, so it was dark. But the headlights caught it. And she took me to the area where she would hear the crying baby. So I met up with a buddy of mine. I left her, met up with a buddy of mine. We went into the area at night with a big, giant speaker. And I downloaded a, a an audio of a crying baby. And we, we, we blasted it over through the forest. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, ah, I think this is kind of a waste of time. So I turned the baby, the crying baby sound off. And the next thing that happened, Holy cow. I was blown away. I could not believe. Like, yeah, what happened next? And uh, you'll have to watch the film to find out, but it was uh, it was pretty bone chilling. Wow, what a great teaser. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you said that comes out yeah. in uh, next Sunday? Next next weekend, yeah, next, next weekend. Saturday. At 9 a.m. is when it, uh, it actually gets, uh, it, it goes on, but... And yeah, there was a lot of stuff that went on in chapter two. Yeah, chapter three was quite fun to watch. There was a lot of screams in the forest. There was something that walked up to me and grunted in my face. And that was terrifying. And that was terrifying, yeah. And uh, a funny thing, because I'm lying in a hammock. And it's probably about one in the morning. Is this where you were hanging underneath the uh, the big X the, structure? Yes, the big tree X. Mm-hmm. There was a big giant X, and one of the trees looked like it was pushed over, and the other one looked like it was maybe carried and placed. And these trees were massive. They yeah, were. They were. They were like twenty five feet high, and probably about 
two feet, maybe three feet in diameter. Like there's no way, not even a, a few strong men could carry that up and over. Yeah. I mean, it would be almost impossible, but so I decided to, you know, sleep underneath it with a hammock. And while I'm lying there in the hammock and I'm kind of falling in and out of sleep and I could hear other cracking in the forest and I could hear like maybe a bunny or a, a mouse, little, little animals scampering because you can hear kind of the difference. And while I'm lying there, everything's quiet and I could hear screams in the forest, but way off in the distance. Like they have to be maybe two or three kilometers away or two or three miles away. Like they were pretty far, but you could hear them just kind of talking like, like screams, like what there'd be a scream over here and a scream over there. And it was just very, and if you just closed your eyes and listened, you could hear. And it was constantly just like really slightly just yeah. off in the distance. It was amazing. And that's when I heard the, the big tree snap and then could hear something walking and it got closer and all of a sudden, whatever it was, it, it grunted because I didn't see it, but it was like, that's what it sounded like. And then I started shaking uncontrollable. I couldn't believe it. I was like, all I was going to my mind is, oh, if this is a wall boar or maybe a bear. Yeah. Or, you know, then I'm thinking, oh, my God, if this is truly a Sasquatch and I'm sleeping under the axe that I had all these Bigfoot researchers tell me that this is a sign that they don't want people to cross and uh, that I was stupid to be sleeping underneath it because it was a sign of disrespect. And I'm like, here I'm thinking, well, they're not real, so I'm just going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to well, go you know, and do I, it. I mean, I, I, th I think, you know, we're, we're still struggling to try to understand what those, uh, those tree structures actually mean. Mm -hmm. I mean, overtly from the initial scene, a, a very large uh, X in the middle of the woods, one would assume that that means stop, you know, don't, don't pass. But, you know, that's an assumption yeah. that we're making. We don't, we don't know exactly. No, what no one mean. knows really uh, anything. We can just assume, right? We can just think what what they could mean but i found quite a few yeah. like they were all over the place and i found one by mistake by just running through the forest testing out the stabilization to, like i was using a, a the brand new uh, gopro mm -hmm. and i wanted to test out the stabilization so i just just booked it through the forest no path just jumping and running and going through the forest. And in fact, I got a little bit lost because I wasn't paying attention to where I was going. I was just running. I just wanted to see how good and I'm jumping logs. And all of a sudden I, I stopped to take a breath and I turn around and there's another giant X and right across from it was, it, it looked like an actual, all these branches and, 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 pieces of trees and stuff were all weaved together to make almost it, when I went inside of it, it was like a cage. That's what it, it felt like. I mean, I could see through everything, but it just felt like I was in a cage. 
and it definitely, I mean, obviously a human could have made it. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, I mean, the tree X that was across from it, uh, that that could take three or four people to, to do because it, they were pretty big, but they weren't big enough um, that, you know, three three strong people could lift them up and, and place them there. But why? I was in the middle of nowhere. And I had to, you know, find my way back out of the forest. I mean, it wasn't that hard, but, you know, everyone, this at the end of a hunt, like it was getting on closer to, to almost the evening. You know, so dur- during, during this time that you were hanging in that, uh, the hammock underneath the X, um, I, I was struck by, I was struck by a couple of things. One, one, there's a very obvious whoop that you caught on, on, uh, on audio and then there's there's two um two vocalizations two uh, i'm gonna even say verbalizations um and, and the it, talking the weird talking yeah and as soon as i heard that man it it threw me back to one of the first times that i ever heard ron moorhead sierra sounds it was yeah. very 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 similar to to the 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 odd chatter that he had recorded, um, yeah. which you know sounds like a conversation that's going between uh, multiple uh, creatures, and uh, you know it, it's just you you got like maybe one or two words and then one or two words and or or whatever you want to call what it is they say. Um, yeah, whatever it is, it's that was. I was blown back. I was blown away uh, when I when I heard that. I was sitting and, and the lights were off, and I'm just going through the footage. I had my eyes closed because, as you can see in the actual video, you just see a, 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 a an area with just a a stump, a little stump where we had put some food or some. Uh, I think we put. I forget what we put on there. We put some some food on that little stump, and the and the little infrared camera was facing it. And uh, the infrared on the camera wasn't that strong. So you see the, the stump. And so I had my eyes closed, listening, because I didn't have to watch it. And I'm, I'm listening, and then I hear the whoop. I'm like, oh, oh, wow. And then when that talking or that weird mumbling, I almost fell off the chair. I'm like, what the? And everybody is sleeping. Like, there's no one, like, we're all sleeping. You know, this is why there was no, you couldn't hear other people talking because there was no one. It was in, in the middle of the night. And here I am, you know, on like 400 feet away trying to sleep in a Is that how far the rest hammock. of the, is that how far the rest of the uh, uh, investigative crew was? Uh, yeah. About 400 yeah. feet away from you? Yeah. Probably yeah. about 400 feet away. That's a little uh, more. Give or take. That's a little more distance than I would be. Uh, willing to put myself away from a potential source of help. Yeah, they were pretty far. Yeah, but think about it. There's not much anyone could do if if whatever walked up to me decided to grab me. Yeah, good point. And, and drag. And that was going through my mind. I'm thinking, my God, if this is really the, a Sasquatch that people are talking about and I just pissed it off? I, I felt like I, I, I just visioned an arm coming up and just hitting me and then just grabbing me like a, like a taco during that, during that time, taking you, me off. Were you, were you at all, um, 
stricken with uh, this uh, yes. like sensory overload of, yes. of fear yeah. uh, that so many I people started, report. Yeah, I started shaking uncontrollably in in the tent, like in the hammock tent. I was trying to control myself from shaking. I couldn't. You know, I mean, I would literally would be lying if I said to people, oh, no, nah, I wasn't scared. Uh, no, I was terrified. I, I mean, like I said, it could have been a boar. It could have been a bear. I, I, it, you know, I just could not control myself. And then finally, yeah, you know, I yelled out, you know, and uh, and you'll have to wait till uh, chapter two to, to, to find out what happens. <clears throat> so, but, so the next chapter is going to pick up right where that left off. Yeah, it picks up right after that. It picks up with the with the with the eye shine uh, that happened in the forest um, that Blake caught on his on his camera. It starts off with that because I want people to understand <clears throat> when they see the film that there are unexplained things happening around us. So it starts off with that incredible eye shine where it darts behind the tree and then comes back out. And then it goes right back to me in the, the hammock tent. And that just sets the tone to, okay, there is something or some things in the forest around us. We're not just, you know, what what it what is it? You know, we didn't, yeah, it's... It was just fun. It really opens your, your mind about what's out there in the forest. So you indicated that, you know, you, you've, you've pretty much only been embroiled in this topic for uh, about two years now. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's going on two and a half years. So can I, mean, I, can like I, ask, I said, I, yeah. Uh, can I ask what, what was the, uh, I know you, you know, it was kind of, uh, born out of the pandemic and, and, and being very limited as far as what you were able to do and, and travel was restricted and all that. Um, but what was your, what was your stand on, on Sasquatch prior to you deciding to get into, um, potentially searching for it was, was it something that you had an interest in, uh, throughout your life or, or is this just something that, you know, just kind of manifested? Well, <clears throat> I've always been a skeptic of Sasquatch. So I've always had a fascination with, with uh, Sasquatch and being an animal and wildlife photographer, photojournalist, I'd always go into the forest and I would always meet people uh, with, you know, they're, they're, they're cool exotic animals. And every once in a while, people would always say, wow, hey, have you ever come across, like, have you ever seen anything strange in the forest, like maybe Bigfoot? And I would kind of laugh it off, right? I'd be like, no, no, I've heard I've, I've heard strange screams in the forest. I've seen <clears throat> the trees ripped out of the ground, turned upside down and jammed back into the, the ground. Yeah. Uh, I've seen, like, um, dead animals uh, hanging from trees. Have you really? Yeah, I've seen that, but I just thought maybe it was a cougar or something that would drag them up there. Sure. Because <clears throat> I did find it strange that there were, there was um, like vines or um, that were attached to these animal corpses. 
<laughs> but but back then, I just didn't think anything of it. I was just like, you know, I would find them, I would see them, you and say, I didn't think much s- of it. You're saying vines that were attached. To yeah, the like the yeah, like they were. It was wrapped around the animals that were hanging from the from the trees. Really? Yeah. Now that's- like I've seen, but this is going back many many years, and. Like I said, I brushed it off. I just thought, I, I mean, I looked at that it was odd, but I didn't think anything of it, right? And I just carry on searching for whatever animal that I'm looking for to photograph. Um, well, that's that's, it a, wasn't that's, until, a, that's a really interesting point that you, you bring up there with the vine, because, I mean, you know, in reports, um, it, it's not at all uncommon to come across reports of people finding um, animals up in the trees. Um, yeah. And, you know, my second episode was uh, a two-part, so episodes two and three was about a gentleman here in, uh, very close to me in, in southwest Michigan, who um, his daughter and he had found a, a deer carcass way up, 25 feet up in a tree that had been um, handily dismantled. And, you know, we don't have cougars down here. <laughs> um we don't have many animals down here that would have the, the power to, to carry a, uh, a 180 to 200 pound deer up into a, a 25 feet up into a tree. And I think you would be a very surprised. You would be surprised how, how strong a cougar is. Like I know cougars are usually a hundred and, you know, 60 pounds, 170 pounds. is a pretty big cougar, yeah. but you would be surprised how, uh, how strong that they can be. I mean, yes, they couldn't carry a 300 pound, um, but pieces of it, they could carry up there. But, but what I guess the point I'm making is down here in Southwest Michigan, in a smack dab in the armpit of the Midwest, um, cougars are not, are not typically something that we have, uh, in this area. Um, at least, at least according to, um, our DNR, uh, Department of Natural Resources uh, does not recognize that there's any uh, quantifiable uh, number of cougars in this area. So it, it's an unusual thing for them to find um, in in the area that we're speaking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in, in a lot of reports, you do hear about hunters finding prey you know, um, up in the tree. Yeah. Um, the fact that you saw one witness one that had been wrapped up in a vine that that is really unusual and yeah um, well it was it was basically just well it's it basically was think of uh some of the the the, the, um what do you call it uh roots you know roots and stuff you know you pull out the ground that can Mm -hmm. be used to tie up stuff like that and what's interesting is how I would see these things sometimes or how I would see some of these animals in the trees is I'm always looking for owls, right? Cause I love photographing owls mm-hmm. and, and, um, porcupines cause porcupines, they look like bird nests when they're just out there. So then you see something that is out of place and then I get closer and that's, you know, that's how, I, I would see, but I've only seen it like twice, and only one time was it. Uh, one was kind of tied. It looked like it was had like vines around it. Wow. Now, now I kind of wish I could have climbed up 
and got a closer look. That's really but interesting. But it's, it's, it's interesting. But yeah, so that's how I, you know, I got into doing uh, Sasquatch because I thought, you know, I'm not allowed to travel. So, you know, I keep hearing this thing about these Sasquatches. You know, I don't think they're real, but I'm going to go and uh, one of my friends said, well, I know someone that, that saw one. So why don't you go interview them? So I went and interviewed them and I found it fascinating. And they took me to the area or they drew a map of where to go. And I, I went to that area and I, I love going into the forest searching. Now I, I believe that if these creatures do exist, these Sasquatches, that I don't think I'm going to go walking up on them. I'm pretty sure uh, that they will come to me. So anytime I go out into the forest filming, uh, and I'm I'm walking around and I'm I'm searching for Sasquatch, I'm not actually <laughs> expecting to come walking up on them. But you know, being able to make lots of noise and the hoots and hollers and you know these you know like any animal, sometimes they get curious, so they'll come in. Right. There's um, a there's a lot know. of different. Uh, a lot of different theories on, you know, you have one segment of researchers that go out and they do the wood knocks and they do the hoops and the howls and, you know, make all kinds of God awful racket. And then you have a, a segment of the, the research population that believes that you just go out there and uh, basically just be there. And, and that if they're in the area, they'll know you're there. And if you just go about your business and, and not yeah. try to rile them up or try to incite any kind of interaction that you're more likely to get some kind of, uh, uh, interaction that way, because they'll come in much closer and, and just try to, um, view you and, and, and see what you're doing there. Um, yeah. there, there's so many different theories on, and, and different investigative, uh, ways that you know and i think i think it's i think that's smart i think you need to have a, a diversity in the way that you approach seeking these things out um yeah but I, I at the end of the day you know this this many years into uh uh people doing research and and, and this being such a hot topic from you know uh, 1958 for the most part on as far as people being interested in researching um we've still not come up with the 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 surefire way to to lure these things in or to to get close to them um some people say that they've been able to other people not so much so you know it's just a it's a it's a tremendous mystery um you know and i think with anything that's anything that's weird or bizarre or, or out of the normal. I think once you start having people who come out and talk about this stuff, there's going to be a number of people who want to jump on that bandwagon for whatever reason, whether it's they want their 15 minutes of fame or they want to feel like they're a, a part of, of this, this weird thing going on. And, you know, you're going to have people that make stuff up and, and, and they're not completely transparent with their, um, yeah. the reports, but by and large, when you have as many reports of these things and in so many places across the world, not just North America, but, you know, very similar beings being reported throughout the world, you just, you just yeah. can't, you can't look past it. You, you know, it, it, to me, 
<coughs> from the first time that I saw the Patterson Gimlin film from 1967, um, I believe, you know, I'd seen still photographs of it in, in books. Yeah. But it wasn't until I think the episode aired in 1977, which would have made me 12, um, Leonard Nimoy's in search of that's the first time I actually saw the film of Patty walking across the sandbar. Yeah. And at 12 years old, there was nothing about that that did not look right to me. It looked very organic. It didn't look fake. It didn't, to me, it didn't look, I've never, I've never looked at that film since I was 12 years old and thought, oh shit, yeah, for the last 10 years I thought it was real, but no, that's definitely a guy who passed him. I've never, never once, it's always been extremely organic. Her, her gait, her, the way she walked, yeah. the way she turns, everything looks very normal, very natural. Like that's how it would move. Um, so, you know, for me, it's, it's never been a, um, I do have some skepticism when it comes to reports that I hear. I do have some skepticism behind some of the people that, um, that are interviewed, but I've never had any skepticism as far as what that film showed me. In my yeah. in my gut, I've always felt that that was a real creature, you know, and yeah. and that and that's what I've been, you know, living with for you know the rest of my life. That's uh, you know, have I ever seen one? No, I have not. I do have a couple of experiences that I think I was in the uh, in close proximity to these things, mm-hmm. and that was during uh, a time when I was hunting. Um, it was, I'd never had anything really aggressive happen to me. It was always just, um, and at the time that it happened, I was not, I was not drawing a correlation to them, to it being Bigfoot. Yeah. It was just, you know, some odd stuff, weird stuff. Um, boy, deer don't normally act like that. Uh, you know, hearing, hearing something following you in the woods. Um, at one point I thought I was being, followed back to my my hunting stand by a large deer it, well, didn't, it didn't sound right you know it was it, at first when it happened i thought the landowner because i'd actually walked onto another piece of property i didn't have uh uh permission to hunt i thought the landowner had come out and caught me um i, I wasn't hunting the property i was just very interested in the layout of that land and i was trying to get an idea of where the the deer were bedding down and you know to position myself on the other property to take advantage of it um and i i stopped multiple times after hearing footsteps behind me just waiting for what i thought to be the landowner to like just ream my ass for being on his property without permission yeah. and never did and then as i kept walking it would start walking again. And when I would stop, it would stop, you know, your typical pacing in the woods. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I got super excited that I was like, Oh shit, I got a deer following me back to my, my deer stand. You know, (laughs) I got, I got this 12 point buck behind me, you know? And so I didn't want to turn around. I didn't want to spook it. If it's following me, maybe it'll follow me long enough where I can grab my rifle and turn around and, uh, or my shotgun and take a shot at it. Um, 
and it was just the oddest thing. And, you know, another time uh, hunting with my son when he was young, I was trying to get him involved in hunting and uh, we were at a, uh, a farmer's property and it was, it was swampy. It was, uh, it was kind of, uh, you know, looking back on it now, it was kind of a creepy area because there were a lot of dead trees and there was some really old logging equipment back there that obviously wasn't working anymore and was just kind of rusted and left to just, it died out there and that's just where they left it. You know? So it was, it was kind of a, kind of like a logging equipment graveyard you know and and muddy and and it was like you know it was obvious during the warmer months that was probably a swamp area and you know my son was maybe 30 35 yards away from me perfectly in view of me uh, everything was fine and you know he was there for 20 minutes and he came over to me and he's like i don't like it here i want to leave and I was like, well, you know, Jesus Christ, we just, we just got here, you know? And, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking about Bigfoot at all. It's, I'm, I'm a dad who's trying to get his kid interested in hunting. And, and of course, you know, all of a sudden my, my kid, he's, he's bored and he wants to go home, you know, and we just got there. And, um, it wasn't until years later, he started, he's having a conversation with me telling me about this place that we were at and how really uncomfortable he was. He was not he wasn't feeling good about being there. And that was, that was the whole impetus of him coming and telling me he wanted to leave. I had no idea at that time that he was feeling sensory, sensory dread of, of being in that area. Um, yeah. You know, so I'm, as far as a, a Bigfoot uh, experience, I'm, I'm kind of a frustrated one because I've, I've never had a, um, I've never had a sighting. I've never had, anything that I can concretely say that was Sasquatch. Um, but through the years of, of delving into this and, and hearing other people's experiences and, and reading other reports and listening to other eyewitnesses, um, you can certainly start drawing a correlation to the things that I experienced and that he experienced. And, uh, I, you know, I mean, it's easy to it's easy to draw a straight line between those things if if you believe in it. If you don't believe in it, I suppose you could draw a, a million other lines to, to other uh, other aspects. But yeah, it's it's just always been something that I I don't have any problems believing in. You know, well, it's uh, it's quite fascinating, and you know. You seem to love adventure as much as I do. And more so now as, as I'm getting older, um, more so now, uh, it was, it wasn't something, I don't know, maybe it was, you know, you, you grow up, you get married, you have kids, you know, and, and, and all those things, uh, kind of, um, they kind of take the place of, of that, that thirst for adventure, um, but now that the kids are growing up and, and I don't have a significant other to worry about, um, you know, yeah, now, yeah. now that, that, that sense of adventure is, is kicking back in. So, um, you know, your story kind of brings back something that I remember now that happened <clears throat> going back 2003, I was with an ex-girlfriend and she was hunting and we were walking down a trail, and um, I think 
because she had a rifle with her. And all of a sudden, the bushes beside us started shaking, just started shaking, and then crash, crash, crash through the forest, like it, like it was shaking. Yeah. And then she, she took a gun and she's like, "We jump back, right? Because the 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 bushes were above us. They were kind of above us because we were kind of in a on a there was a hillside on either side. It was almost like a small little gully." We're walking along a trail, and all of a sudden, there's this just shaking of the tree, and then suddenly crash, crash. And we thought it was a bear, right? Because we were out there. I think she was hunting uh, deer, and we knew that there was grizzlies in the area because we had seen the the scat. But now looking back, now what I know about grizzlies or what I know about bears is it really makes you think about that, that day. Cause we looked at each other and she was shocked. Cause she said, "Huh, that was odd. You know, usually a bear would just run off and wouldn't shake the tree yeah, and then run off like the bushes didn't, but it, it obviously shook because I, I heard it crack, like break one of the branches, like one of the thick branches. And that's what made us jump back. And we're looking up, at the bush was shaking and then it well it crashed 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 you could hear it run through the forest and I remember my girlfriend saying huh that was odd why would the bear I mean obviously it was a bear but why would it shake the bushes and then run off and I'm like well I don't know but we were we we turned around and went back we turned around and, and walked back to the way we had come but this is back in 2003. Yeah. So, you know, kind of reminds me now, like the things that I've, I've, people have interviewed now and things that I've seen and whatnot. And it just, that, that incident kind of makes me think because now I know what, you know, I read more about grizzlies. I've, I've been, I don't know how many times I've, I've had bears walk out in front of me while I'm, out there in the forest you know coming from coming from british columbia um in canada there you know there there's two there's two personalities that that very much stand out to me as far as being uh um kind of highlighted in this uh um oh actually three personalities uh, highlighted in this in this uh, phenomenon uh, one being Les stroud uh, survivor man. And, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've been a fan of his for, for years and years through the survivor man episodes. And then when he, he tackled the Bigfoot subject, uh, you know, he, he shot right up to the top for me. Um, cause he, he strikes me as being a no bullshit kind of guy. And, um, I like, I like his approach to things. Um, but then you also have, a another gentleman by the name of, uh, Steve Estall, um, who lives mm-hmm. in British Columbia and his, his YouTube channel, uh, um, how to hunt.com with the, the being inundated with emails from people who have experiences. And, uh, I think his channel has done uh, a, a great service to these people as far as being able to get their stories out. And, and, you know, for those of us who are interested in this subject, um, 
given us a lot more uh, a lot more meat to to wrap our our teeth around as far as uh, uh, stories of these things um, in your yeah. in, in your experience with living in that area is it common to hear about this stuff is it you know, I know people don't want to go on film a lot of times and they don't want to record a lot of times, but are, 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 are there conversations about this type of stuff pretty regularly? I mean, that you've run well, into? Well, every once in a while, someone will, will start talking about it, but it isn't, it isn't something that someone just comes out and, and just starts talking about. Right, they don't they don't come back from a hike and and say, "Oh, I saw Bigfoot." A lot of times, you kind of have to ask them. You know, like what's right? what's the difference between the like the um, the news services, the uh, your your uh, televised news, and versus here in the in the states? You know, if there's a if <clears throat> excuse me, if there's a Bigfoot sighting that actually makes the news. Um, you know, it's usually tackled tongue in cheek and, you know, they got, you know, it's like, oh, the DNR says they saw a picture, you know, and, and it's, it's obviously being poked fun at and stuff like that. Do you, you guys up there in Canada, is that pretty much the same, um, yeah, same it perception? Is. Yeah, it is. I mean, mainstream media, yeah, they don't, they definitely don't take the subject very serious. And until we can actually, you know, be able to study one, you know, mainstream media will always mock it. Yeah. You know, it's uh, That's a just shame. The, the way it is. That is. You know, from the standpoint of somebody who is, uh, you know, film is your life. Capturing the, the right the right lighting, the right, um, the right situation. That's how you make your money. Yeah. How, how would you suggest to somebody who was a weekend warrior going out, looking to try to find evidence of, of these beings in whatever area they are? What would you suggest as far as, because I know like GoPros, uh, my son had an early version of GoPro and it, it did a great job of filming and everything, but there was always some kind of clutter when you were trying to transfer the video off of that onto the, um, onto the software on your computer. It, half the time it didn't work and there were always, uh, always issues with it. I don't know if they've taken care of that and, and it's a much better product now. Um, what would you suggest as far as somebody who was interested in going out and trying to document their, their investigations into this? what kind of equipment you know what what can a what can your normal uh everyday sasquatch enthusiast what can they put in their pack to take with them that you think would be uh um, of good enough quality well gopro is amazing quality you know shooting 4k um but GoPro is also a, ma a major fail. Like GoPro is almost one of the worst cameras to film with. To actually, if you're going to uh, try and 
if you're going to make film or if you're going to try, you know, do anything longer than 45 minutes, GoPro is definitely not the camera you want to take with you. I mean, you can go and buy, you know, 10 different batteries. And yes, you can hang a GoPro on the back of your, uh, you know, your backpack facing behind you. <clears throat> but you better know that that GoPro battery is going to die within, you know, 45 minutes if you're lucky. <clears throat> and what happens is you'll be hiking for another two hours thinking that the GoPro is recording. And then you'll find out it's, you only got 45 minutes. GoPro is literally a camera that was only invented for doing short videos. The extreme stuff, you know, jumping into the water, you know, quick surfing, right. skiing, you know, something fast. It's not made for doing film. It's great for like a D-roll, not even a B-roll. It's good for D-roll. Um, I would say, you know, you could, you could go out, um, you could buy yourself one of those. If you can get a 4K video camera, that would be great because you can crop in, you know, four times, right? So, and another thing about GoPro is GoPro is such a wide angle that even if Sasquatch was to walk in front of you, walk out in front of you, I mean, the, Go, uh, the Sasquatch is 25 feet from you, but on the GoPro, it looks like it's quarter of a mile. Know, two, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 300 feet. Right. So, <clears throat> but yeah, if you can buy just a, a, you know, your phone, your phone is nowadays the new, uh, the new Samsung phone shoots 8k video. And it shoots pretty good. And you, you can program your, your cell phone to actually have a button where you can just push it and it turns on camera like right away instantly. Yeah. And you can start recording. I mean, that's the best advice. Um, and if you're trying to film, film with your, your cell phone sideways, try not to film up and down. So you have a, I a understand. Wider view. Yeah. 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 You get the wider view. So whatever you're filming, the creature or bear or whatever, as it's walking, you can get the whole thing. You know, I understand what people film up and down is because, you know, when you film ver vertical, it's, you can hold the, the cell phone and not worry about it falling out of your hands. Right. But you, you know, you can, you can get way better footage if you film with your camera you sideways. Know, so speaking about better footage, you know, one of the, one of the big things and, and it plagues this topic till this day and it's always, um, it's always used in memes and uh, any anyone who you know wants to poke fun at the subject are the blurry blurry photographs you know oh it's a blob yeah. squatch oh it's blurry oh it's out of focus oh you're moving oh you know is there is there any um is there any equipment on the market that you know average joe can afford that would help um nominize nominalize the uh, the you know the the stability issues is there something that, you know, like is a, um, a handheld device that you can put your camera into that is going to give well, you much? Uh, well, there is, but it just, you, it isn't like you can just walk around with it. I mean, you can buy a gimbal or a stabilization uh, equipment, but it isn't like you can just trap, it isn't like you can just walk through the forest with it. 
right? Because if you turn it too fast, the the gimbal will actually turn and all screw up. I mean, my best advice is get yourself a monopod. Mm-hmm. Sorry, get yourself, yeah, a monopod, like one of those. It's like a tripod, but it's like a stick. Right, yeah, I have one. And that's, yeah, that's the one thing, you know, you can you can walk with it. If you get a good enough one that's sturdy enough, you can... You can use it as a a um, a walking stick, yeah. Right, and in case something does come out, you have that where you can hold it, and you can you have the camera already on it, right? And that's probably the best thing that you can use at the moment. I mean, <clears throat> it's a hard one. Uh, you can lean up against a tree. That's another one. If something comes out, you can actually quickly lean a, lean the camera against the tree, your cell phone, and, and that will stabilize uh, your cell phone, right? Instead of just holding it in your hand. Right. Right? So that's, that's probably my best advice. I mean, it's a hard one out there, right? I mean, right now, for all we know, Sasquatch truly is a blur. <laughs> That's what he is. Yeah. We should, we should really call him just a blur squatch for sure. That's why we can never get a sharp picture. Yeah. It's unfortunate, you know, and I guess, you know, everybody always keeps going back to the Patterson Gimlin film and with the advances in technology and the, the, the new software that's, that's available. Um, they're, they're constantly going back to that film and stabilizing it and enhancing it. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, the most recent one, um, I believe was, uh, just a couple of months ago aired on uh, a show called the proof is out there. Um, Dr. Meldrum was, was in on it and, uh, uh two other gentlemen and, and the one gentleman there was, the one that was uh, pretty much the caretaker of, of taking, I think, 23 or 27 different versions of, of that film that had been found online and had been provided to them. And uh, they were all run through a, a, a software. And I believe there was uh, some, some form of AI was, was used in, in it where um, they were able to actually get the best copy of a stabilized image of Patterson Gimlin film with Patty walking across that sandbar. And, nice. and now, now with as cleaned up as it is, you can actually see the flexation of the front toes. When she goes to take a step, you can see the toes lift up before she puts her foot back down in that next step. Um, and, and, Consequently, you can also now see uh, there's there's been years of people saying that the there looked like a seam that was running down the back of her her backside, like that was where the zipper was um, for this suit. Now you can actually see that it is it's the the split of her glutes. That's that's her butt crack that is, is oh, yeah. there, um, and you can see wear marks in her fur where her arm. Uh, her hand rubs up against the side of her thigh every time she takes a step and moves her arms forward and back. You can see the the change of the the direction in the hair on her thigh. Uh, yeah, you know. So I mean, you know, fifty fifty years later, 
Um, so I guess the point that I'm making is even though that, that film in its original state was jumbled up and a guy was jumping off of his horse and falling over logs until he finally got set and got a couple of seconds of fairly stable footage 50 years later with the advancement of technology that has become a very um a very important piece of film i think i think it's been said that that is the only other film in existence that's been studied as much is the Zabruder film of JFK's assassination. Yeah. And they still can't, they still can't prove that it's fake. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure Sasquatch was the one that shot him. <laughs> from, from, from the grassy knoll or from the wooded knoll. <laughs> the wooded knoll for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Jason, I tell you what, I, I really appreciate you uh, being with us today. Uh, it was great hearing your stories, and uh, thank you again for uh, for the the little props of throwing me into your documentary. It was uh, that was <laughs> that was a that was a thrilling moment for this fifty six year old guy <laughs> seeing himself on a on a uh, pay per view documentary. Um, again. I absolutely enjoyed talking with you. Um, good luck to you in your endeavors. Um, we were talking about some things before we started recording. Uh, if if you're interested, I'll, I'll keep you in the loop of what's going on with all of that. And, yeah, that would be uh, great. One more time for, for the listeners, if you would, just let them know how they can get a hold of you, how they can follow you, where they can view your, um, your videos. So for people who want to see my animal adventures... All right, behind the scenes of my exotic animal photo shoots where you get to meet the most amazing people that live with the most amazing animals, you know, from tigers and bears and alligators and kangaroos and ostriches and wolves, bobcats, uh, mice, giant spiders, <laughs> huge snakes. And I have a motto. If I'm going to uh, interview you, and photograph your exotic animal, there can't be any cages. I have to be able to hug the animal. So you get really into a very personable um, reflection when you watch my videos. And, you know, I try and put humor into my animal adventures, and you can find that on my YouTube channel under A Photo Warrior. And you can find, like I said, if you just Google Jason Kenzie animal adventures you will be able to find there's over 300 of my animal adventures on youtube and if you want to find uh searching for sasquatch i have uh www.searchingforsasquatch.ca uh you can also yeah you can also just google that too like vimeo and you can watch the newest chapter chapter three part one and part two comes out next weekend. And yeah, I also designed um, some logos, uh, some T-shirts that have um, I I want to believe, and I believe. And uh, I'm going to be doing another children's book, and it's going to have the cheese quarters. It's going to be Adventures of Little JJ. Uh, little JJ meets the She Squatchers. No kidding. Yes. <laughs> That's and, awesome. Uh, 
we go and we we have to find a certain uh, we have to go find a certain um, flower that will save the Sasquatches um, because they've lost all their powers of visibility, their their smell. Because, you know, they smell really bad. So if they lose that ability, how are we supposed to go, what stinks? <laughs> uh, speed, strength, and all that. So that I'm working on right now. So that's going to be coming out uh, how fun. in a few and, months. And I have to interrupt you just real quick because, um, the you know, I have so many synchronicities with this show. Um, you know, I talk about weird stuff. You know, they're flat out there's just never any really normal topics on this show and uh consequently there's a lot of synchronicity that i don't even call them coincidences anymore because it's it's beyond coincidence um jen cruz the the uh, the head of the she squatchers yeah uh, i love her so much she she is the one that messaged me last night to let me know that she saw me in your documentary ah uh, nice. um and consequently, uh, at the time of this recording, um, Wednesday night coming up, I'm going to be a guest on their show of the, oh, the journey cool. radio, um, oh. talking about Sasquatch. So, um, it, it's, it, it's so funny how things just all kind of flow together. You know, I mean, there's just always this thread that, that runs from one show to the next, it, it's just, it's kind of bizarre. It really is. And I, I've, yeah. I've, I've actually stopped trying to figure it out. Um, because just let it happen. I, I think it, I think it's just the, the universe's way of letting me know that I'm on the right track and I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm talking to the people that need to be talked to. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so, so strange how everything ties together. Um, well, I have to say, since searching for Sasquatch, uh, since doing my um, films, my documentaries, and looking into the, the subject of cryptids, I have to say one of the best things that has happened since doing my documentaries are the friendships that I've made. Isn't that the truth? You know, that That is probably the best since doing this um yes doing the adventures being surrounded by whatever it is in the forest and meeting these people that, that have these experiences but i'm telling you the friendships you know with with robert Kreider and and david and 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 adam davies and the she squatchers and you know with everyone with you all these people that I'm going to have probably, probably for the rest of my life, really, because. Isn't that the truth you know? though? I mean that, and, and I've said this to my kids, you know, as much as I love talking about all this weird stuff and as much as I believe in so much of this weird stuff and, and it's kind of a dream come true for me to be able to be in a position where I get to talk to people about the weird stuff that they experience. The thing, the biggest takeaway for me is the, the relationships that I've built. Mm -hmm. Not only do I have relationships with, um, people who message me who are, li are listeners that I have, you know, all over the country, um, some even from the UK, 
um, who message me on, on a fairly regular basis, you know, you know, congratulating me on a, on a great show or they really like this person or, um, you know, to, to, to relationships that have, it, it just, it's the strangest thing. It really is. And, and I don't know, I don't know how to, um, I don't know how to say it any other way other than the best part of this show, me doing this show has been the relationships that I've, I've created and fostered since I started doing it, you know? And well, well, I can't wait uh, for those two people to uh, write to you and say, Hey, I like that show with Jason. <laughs> I'm sure uh, they will. Be, I'm sure they those will. Those are going to be some great two people. I, I can't <laughs> wait. It's, it's going to be great. They might even be three. <laughs> oh, would you, would you imagine that maybe three and a half if one is a little person oh <laughs> this would be great this would be great um i do have to say i am i am surprised with all the um uh, film awards that i've i've gotten for chapter one yeah i would I, never have you thought said, that i would and and i'm going to put that in the in my social media when i promote this show um, man, you, you get, you loaded up. Oh, and I'm up for, there's three more, I'm at three or four more, um, awards, uh, which I'm, what do you call it? When they, when they accept you, there's a name for it. I can't remember when you're up for the award and then they judge to see if it's going to be a winner. So one in Britain, I, I'm up for, there's a, a film festival in Britain and, my film uh chapter three and chapter two are in it so and they've accepted so you're it a, you're a nominee or you... i'm nominee i'm a nominee that's yeah. the word <laughs> slipped my mind but yeah I, i'm just shocked uh there's one in australia there's a big film festival in australia and i'm a nominee for that and i'm just seeing if maybe they're gonna pick it yeah it's i've i think i've won six or seven um, awards for chapter one and I'm hoping that chapter two and, and chapter three, they get a few awards, but yeah, I was just blown away. Couldn't believe it. Well, you're definitely doing the right thing. I mean, if you're getting that kind of interest, um, you're doing something right. That's for sure. And, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I, it's I, great. so many of these, so many of these documentaries, uh, are, are serious. And I, and I, th and I think there's a place for that. You, I think you know, there, there's been too much fun poked at this subject, uh, for too yeah. long. So I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's necessary to have a, a very, uh, sanitized and, and serious look at the subject. Um, but you, well, the, the you, but you, you do your, your documentaries a little bit differently. Your, your, yes. yours seems more like you're filming yourself going through this experience of, of trying to find it. So it's, even though it's about that topic, it's more about you searching, searching for searching it. For Sasquatch, and, yes. and in that instance, you can, you can add some levity and you can add some of your humor into it. And it doesn't take away from, um, somebody who, who looks at this as a serious subject. You don't view your documentary and go, Oh, that guy was just making fun of this shit. It's just an, it's another one of those, another one of those people. It's just, you know, jumping on the bandwagon and, and, and taking advantage of, of something that we all think is serious because that's not well, it at all. You're, yeah, you're, I'm making you're fun of myself. 
yeah, exactly. And um, no, you, I, I like I said, I was I was impressed with chapter three. Um, when we get done here today, uh, Jen Cruz uh, forwarded me to the link from uh, um, chapter two. I'm gonna get done here, and I'm gonna pop that on. And uh, then I'll then I'll search and find chapter one as well, and, and look yeah. forward to well, uh, chapter four uh, <clears throat> next Sunday. Well, in chapter one, I found hundreds of uh, well, hundreds of these huge footprints in this mountain lake in the middle of the forest. And the First Nation people who I showed this to, they truly believe that this is that I had found the the pathway of the Sasquatch and I droned it. I put a drone up oh, and really? I droned the lake and you could see all the footprints, hundreds of them going right across. And I, 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 I interviewed eyewitnesses that were up there in this, it was a resort in the middle of the mountains. Like you have to take an off-road vehicle to it. Then the lake I hike up to was like a two hour hike up to the top. And it was beautiful, and I wanted to show the beauty of, of the landscape, the, the beautiful world that we live in. That's why I did a lot of scenery. And chapter two, now that's a tricky one, chapter two, because so when I do poke fun or and I'm joking, one of the biggest reasons why I'm joking, and it, it, sometimes it might seem like I'm making fun of Sasquatch, but what's happening is I get scared. Exactly. And the only way it calms myself down is by joking. I, I knew I'm that's trying where to you like, were going to go. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, and it's just an automatic reaction. Like, I'm like, okay, so maybe that's a bear. Please don't eat me. I taste terrible. Like, you know, like, like I'm just trying to calm myself down as I'm alone in the forest. So, chapter three, I'm sorry, chapter two. At the end of the video, at the end of the documentary, I I have a flur that's connected to my 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 phone, and I could hear crunching in the snow. It was all in the snow. I spent I I, I made a a little I, I I camped out in the snow. I dug out a little trench so I could sleep in this little cave, this little snow cave. And I could hear crunching in the in the forest, and I couldn't see anything. But on the flur, I could see something running back and forth, multiple, multiple times running. Like it was. So my flur was shooting about four hundred feet into the forest, and I could hear moving. I could hear crunching, and on the flur. I could see something like it was all yellow. Comple everything was yellow. And I'm like, well, what? This is weird. Why is it just all yellow? And you could see, see very slight, like a red indent, like a red. And, and it, it, I guess it was the camera was so close to whatever it was that it, it was basically like right up against whatever it was. And it was moving back and forth. And at one point it, it went that one way and then it, it's like it, it realized, oh, I don't want to go that way, and, and darted back. And, and I, I couldn't see it with my own eyes, but I could like see something. It was really strange. It was closer to the end, and then 
I took an apple and I offered it to whatever it was. And here I'm thinking that there's nothing. That's my imagination. And then what I did, well, was comedic, what I did next. And uh, now after being in Michigan with, um, with the Bigfoot researchers and everything that happened in the forest with the eye shine and how they were literally next to me and I couldn't see it yeah. at the moment, it really makes me wonder that what I did at the end of chapter two could have really have pissed them off if Sasquatches were real and that's what they were in the forest. And it makes me wonder. I'm like, oh, God, I was being really cheeky. You know, and I'm like, wow, if, if, if these Sasquatches are truly real animals and they were really there, you know, I'm like, oh, God, I really could have really pissed them off. And, but anyway, besides that, you know, in have fun uh, watching chapter two and chapter one and, and uh, you know, it was a, a pleasure uh, talking to you, and I hope I get to see you next year or this year. It's been a pleasure with you as well, and and I hope uh, I hope that we can make something happen where uh, we're in the same place at yeah. the same time because, um, you know, we we had a really nice conversation as brief as it was uh, back in July, but I think uh, I think we I think we have a lot more to talk about and. Uh, you know, just like what we were saying about fostering these relationships with people that uh, we meet through this subject, it's uh, you just meet a lot of really good people. Um, I want to, yeah, I want to double, exactly. I want to double back here real quick, um, like with this last experience that you were telling me about the the image on the flare, um, not being able to see it in person, um, but yet seeing but something, hear but hearing it and seeing that, uh, you know, that that kind of goes. Um, into something that we really didn't touch on. And that is the, the woo aspects of, uh, of what people say about these, these beans and their, uh, uh, purported abilities to, um, maybe be somewhat in the, in the spiritual or, or supernatural realm as well. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Because the woo for me is a very fascinating subject and, and it, and it makes a subject that I, I, I really like, uh, that much more interesting and, but on the, well, same, on the same hand, it makes it that much more unbelievable because it's just simply something that doesn't seem like it should be able to exist. Uh, what, well, what I'll are your tell you something, well, I'll tell you something that happened that I didn't touch on in chapter two. Um, Right before all that happened, I heard I heard what sounded like children playing in the forest, and it blew me away. Um, and it really it really scared my camera person. They were like, we could hear what sounded like children, and we're in the middle of nowhere. Like literally, it's one or two in the morning, and for a split second, we heard children playing. And then nothing. And I, I didn't get it on audio. In fact, I didn't even have the audio going at that moment. And it only lasted for a few seconds. And uh, and then everything kind of, you could hear the crunching. And the, I, I heard a, a, a scream in the forest earlier that night um, responding back. But about the woo, 
it's 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 a uh, it's an interesting um, subject, and uh, I think I think I did touch on the woo a little bit in chapter two. Do you think it discredits all the hard work that's being made uh, to try to prove the existence of these things? Only if only if everybody decided to uh, focus on that. Yeah. Like if everyone stopped uh, doing what they were doing and decided, well, we're just going to like all lean into the woo factor, then, um, then yes, it, it could. But because there's a group of people who are, you know, focusing on the woo factor, it doesn't really take away from the from other people who are doing the scientific um, looking for physical evidence yeah. i i mean it's okay to touch on the woo factor you know to go into it because right now because sasquatch has never been actually physically touched and like meaning like no one's really that everything goes exactly right yeah, everything goes you, you, can't right? Really, like, you can't really dismiss anything no you can't you should uh you should like at least dabble in a little bit of everything but if you just 100% focus on one thing, then you could lose yourself. Because, you know, so many people talk about, uh, uh, on, the, on the woo camp of it, talk about their ability to cloak. Yeah. And, you know, but you look at, um, I don't know the exact uh, species, but uh, octopus or cephalopod or, you know, yeah. it, 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 it can change its, it can change its skin tone to match what it's sitting on immediately i mean <laughs> quicker than you can turn a tv channel it can change yeah. its appearance you know and, and that's something that we find in our natural uh our natural world yeah you know, well you know even uh even deer they've yeah. been known to to turn their body in a certain way yeah. where they disappear in the forest like in the bushes well, for you know, a split second, having spent right? time, having spent time as a hunter, you know, sitting, sitting out, watching a field, waiting for deer to come out. And, and then all of a sudden, holy shit, there's a deer yeah. 30 yards away from right. you. Exactly. And you, and you were looking in that direction the whole you time. Never you, saw it. It. you never saw it. <clears throat> yeah. You know, exactly. And, and they're not, they're not in a camouflage. They're, they're tan and white and yeah. you know it, but you know nature has a way of providing a protection for um species that are out there so that they're not readily seen so to me that doesn't seem like it's a it doesn't seem like much of a stretch of an imagination at all to think that it's possible yeah you just don't know i mean these these creatures i'm telling you in chapter three blake and i we were within five, six feet from the eye shine. Like, Blake was literally looking at it. I mean, he was focused on the, the tree break. Yeah. Like, he so, was focused on that. And but, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about that. Was, you know, like when you say it was right in front of you and you couldn't see it, is it because it was so god-awful dark that yeah, I wouldn't have been able to see anything or are you saying that well, potentially it was, it, it was in front of you, but you couldn't see it because it was cloaking. 
Well, no, it was dark for one thing. And yeah, it was probably behind a tree. For the longest time when I kept when I was looking through the footage and I saw the, the it was always one eye. Always one eye. Most of the time it was one eye except for the the two sets of eye shine at the very end of um of the path. But other than that, it was always one eye, and I got thinking, well, maybe it has a damaged eye. And because I, I, at the beginning, I thought maybe it was just hiding behind a tree, and you only see one eye because it's. Um, but yeah, it was it was dark. We weren't focused on looking in the forest. Yeah. But yeah, when you see the footage, you'll be like, "Wow, that is close, and it's higher than us." So whatever it was was quite quite tall. It was at least seven or eight, eight feet a little higher than us. And, you know, I've had a couple of people that did see it and they said, well, it's, it's, it's a bug. I'm like, well, and because it's moving. I said, well, it looks like it's moving because my camera is moving. I have my camera on my, my hand and I'm moving the camera and I'm moving, my body's moving. And so because you have that parallax, it's called parallax, and it's a it's a term that in the film industry we 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 call it that the camera moves, but the subject behind you stays still. But because you're moving, and because there's that depth of field, that it's it, it looks like it's moving, um, and that's why it looks like it's moving every time that we see the eye shine because I'm moving. If I had it on a tripod the subject wasn't moving. I'm going to call back to something that you touched on earlier. And it was when you were talking about, um, you know, blocking somebody out in a video by putting uh, a light behind them so that they're not recognized. And then Mm -hmm. people being smart enough to know that you can change the exposure in that film to, to actually see who it is. The, the footage that you have of that eye shine, are you capable of manipulating that film? And, and changing exposures to to possibly brighten to see see I, what was there. I I did uh, try and brighten it a little bit to <clears throat> to see if maybe I could see. I couldn't see anything. I mean, maybe someone out there could just take the footage and they can just maybe they have a more advanced uh, advanced uh, um, computer system that can actually you know lighten it more maybe you can see a shape or something you know when you watch the footage you'll understand what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. i mean like i said i'm not saying it's a sasquatch or sasquatches because i you know but who knows who knows i mean i mean there is something out there there is something some things out there that is unexplained even i can't explain it but until, you know, one walks up to me and slaps me in the face, you know, <laughs> in broad daylight. <laughs> Maybe hope for a handshake instead of a slap in the face. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. It comes up. I'm like, if that happens, I'm going to be like, high five. I'm like, hey, dude, I, you're too high. I can't reach up 12 feet. That's too high of a high five. Low five? Low five. Well, Jason, it's been a pleasure. And uh, thank you for taking time out of your your morning to do this with me. I appreciate the thank the, you the time and change yeah. and uh, you accommodating me. So um, please stay well, in thank touch. Thank you, my pleasure. I will 
stay in touch and hopefully uh, our uh, listeners are going to head over and, and check out your uh, your uh, wealth of uh, uh, video uh, experiences. Yeah, and, uh, I hope so. And, uh, you know, leave some comments. Let me know what you think. I don't care if they're bad or good comments. All comments are your opinions. And, you know, all I ask is you just keep on smiling. We're all trying to find out that these subjects are real. And if nothing else, it gets you out into nature. Gets us into the forest, into nature, hiking, camping, you know, waterfalls. Yeah, exactly. Well, Eric, you have the best uh, rest of the day. You too, sir. And uh, until next time, keep the adventures continuing. All right, my friend. All right. Bye-bye. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.